Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Happy Friday, everyone. So today on CityCast Las Vegas, I'm filling in for David, and I've got newsletter editor Scott Dickensheets and contributor April Corbin Gurness with me. And we're talking about yet more drama over at the Embattled Animal Foundation, a challenge to the A Stadium from an unlikely source, and a topic I'm personally very excited about, our favorite tacos in Las Vegas. It's Friday, September 8th. I'm Sonia Cho Swanson, and here's what Las Vegas is talking about. Scott, April, welcome back to CityCast Friday News Roundup. Long time, no talk. Not really, but... <laughs> <laughs> April, we had on yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for having me, and especially on the topic of tacos. Hey. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Excellent choice, Scott, to join this roundup. Well, our first topic is kind of a, or maybe in some ways a repeat. We've talked about the Animal Foundation on a Friday news, news roundup before, but there is yet one more news item when it comes to the Animal Foundation. April, what's going on? So No Kill Las Vegas, which is a nonprofit animal rescue, filed a lawsuit uh, basically alleging that the Animal Foundation is not sterilizing animals like it's supposed to, which obviously if your goal is to reduce the number of unwanted animals, sterilization is kind of important. Um, And also, you know, uh, sort of repeating other things we've heard about their bad management, uh, including sort of false advertising, like the Animal Foundation basically says on its website and its material that it's supposed to accept any animals. But right now, and for a long time now, uh, there has been an appointment-only system for surrendering animals. Um, so the nonprofit's basically saying in this lawsuit that, hey, not like small, tiny, underfunded nonprofits like us, I have to pick up the slack uh, mm-hmm. when the Animal Foundation isn't doing these things. And they're asking the court for relief. And they're asking the court to tell the Animal Foundation, like, hey, get your stuff together, start um, start spaying and neutering animals like you're supposed to. And, and, and so that's just uh, mm-hmm. the latest in a long string of drama with the Animal Foundation. You know, one thing that interests me about this lawsuit is the contention by No Kill that it and other nonprofits that deal with the Animal Foundation have to be careful what they say publicly about it, lest the uh, foundation actually euthanize their animals in retaliation. So hmm. that was... Um, you know, that seems pretty Machiavellian there. So they would, they're essentially saying that rather than fess up to their shortcomings, the Animal Foundation would rather cover it up by euthanizing the animals? That appears to be what they're saying, yes. Huh. And the Animal Foundation's obviously said that the lawsuit is, like, ridiculous and, and you know, they're sort of uh, wholly dismissing it as sort of not valid. But obviously it'll play out, so we'll see, and maybe we'll start to see some of those like like Scott says, maybe some of that evidence and stuff will come forth as the lawsuit goes forward. Uh, but it's it's definitely messy and, and terrifying to think of when you think that these are 
poor little animals that are caught in the middle of this. Right, right. And it's been interesting to, because I've been learning more about the Animal Foundation as we've covered it. And we have a really interesting partnership because they're not a government entity. They're a private organization that is funded by the cities of North Las Vegas and Clark County and the city of Las Vegas. So it gets government funds. It's the only animal shelter in Las Vegas that actually gets government funds. There are other shelters and rescues, but they're the ones who are kind of more open to public scrutiny. And and certainly they're finally getting some of that, you know, over the last couple of years. Um, so I guess my question for y'all is, how does this latest news track with what we've been learning about the Animal Foundation over the last year and counting? I mean, do you see this as part of, you know, some organizational failure on their part or is something more systemic afoot? This has been going on for a while. I'd say really, I mean, if, if you're a longtime Las Vegan, you'll know that the Animal Foundation has a long history. Like mm. Scott, Scott will probably remember over a decade ago, there were there were issues with them and like outbreaks of diseases and stuff, shutting down shelters and stuff. Like it was pretty bad. And then it sort of seemed to like calm down for a few years. Uh, but now uh, really, and I think with the pandemic, especially uh, for whatever reason, it really sort of has ramped up again. There's been reports. Uh, City Councilwoman Victoria Seaman has really taken it on as an issue and she's right. went and done uh, visits to the shelter and said she's just seen dogs like covered in feces and in unclean cages and things like that and really sounded the alarm. The county uh, did an audit of the Animal Foundation. They commissioned an audit. That audit came out in uh, like late July. It was sort of released publicly in early August. And that audit found that the Animal Foundation had, you know, demonstrably not enough staffing. So, which they've admitted that they don't, they have a staffing problem. Uh, it's, it's hard to hire people. I think a lot of businesses are also saying that. But um, sort of most damning in that was that the audit found that the Animal Foundation was inflating numbers. Hmm. Uh, so they were sort of saying, oh, we're at 95% capacity today, which triggers this thing called like red flag in, in the animal code <laughs> world, where the city and county animal control officers can't drop off animals to them anymore. Wow. Uh, because they're at capacity. But the problem was is that they weren't at capacity, the audit found. So they were sort of lower and they were like, well, you're doing something wrong. And I think a lot of people are reading that as sort of misleading the public and what are you doing? Uh, so this is hmm. definitely part of a larger issue. The Animal Foundation is asking for more money right now. Uh, and the municipalities have kind of kicked that down the road as they try and figure out like what the hell to do about this, because not not a lot of people are happy with it right now. Right, right. Scott, what's your, what's your take? <laughs> well, we've talked about this before. We're talking about it today. And I have a strong sense we'll be talking about this again in the foreseeable future. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, it seems... It does seem somewhat systemic to me, and probably part of the blame lies on on the public and their sort of fickle treatment of, of animals. Like, oh, we have this nice dog. Oh, it poops in the yard? <laughs> Off to the shelter, you know? So I think the public also has to play its role in fixing this problem. Sure. And like April said, I mean, staffing issues are real. I mean, part of what the Animal Foundation is saying is that they're dealing with a really hard time hiring and keeping staff. I think that's happening across the labor market. Um, and we also saw like record numbers of pets being surrendered, you know, during these kind of tough times. So, you know, there there are maybe both things hand in hand, some kind of organizational failure and, you know, tough times for for cats and dogs right now. So we're not policymakers. We don't control the purse strings or the rules around animal shelters. I guess what I'm wondering is, should, you know, this change how regular, regular folks in Clark County interact with the Animal Foundation? I mean, should we stop 
patronizing them? Should we stop supporting them or donating to them? What's your what's your take on this? You know, I think that ultimately, even if you're frustrated with the Animal Foundation, if you're looking for an animal, you still need to go to them to find an animal. Like it's still, mm. you know, I think that you, you can't blame them uh, for all, for everything. Like Scott said, there is some sort of, they're not maybe helping the situation, perhaps you could argue, but they're all we've got. <laughs> They're all we've got in terms of this. I mean, so, you know, I, I think the big onus really is for people absolutely not to shop for like backyard breeders and uh, pet stores, which, you know, I might get angry emails from them about this. But, you know, they, they say they use reputable places, but a lot of the times they don't when you sort of look into it. And obviously... You know, there, there's a problem when there, there's so many animals that you can just go and, and adopt for almost free because they're doing sort of like, you know, sales all the time uh, and things like that. So I think we still have to go. You still have to support them. And it kind of has to be in conjunction. Right. I think you're starting to see more people speak out about the Animal Foundation. So if you feel strongly about that, it's one of those things where if you need a dog or cat, go to them. But also write a letter to your you know, city council people and the people who really do make a difference because they are listening. And, you know, that's yeah. that's what we have to do, I think. Yeah. Well, remember, Clark County did ban the sale of puppies and I think it was kittens to maybe in pet stores. So that will take effect, I believe, in December because it happened in December of last year and pet stores had one year to comply. So oh, hopefully, yeah. that'll, hopefully that'll send a little more business, quote unquote, business their way to the Animal Foundation. Adopt on shop. And also, I think people should stop buying pets on a whim. Mm. Mm. You know, make yeah. sure you make sure you want to get a pet before you get one. Just because little Timmy wants one, <laughs> you know, is that really are you gonna upend the household and be happy about that for the lifespan of that pet? And don't get rid of them. A lot of the like when they're older, like you're they're a lifelong commitment. I think that's a Absolutely. they've said that's a problem where like you'll get oh. the dog and you'll have the dog for like ten years and then they're like, Well, I want a cute puppy and then they'll just abandon their older dog, oh, which God. is like absolutely heartless, I think. Um, but stop doing that. Yeah. One hundred percent. All right. Well, on to more puzzling topics. <laughs> uh, I saw this headline and I got to admit, I was kind of baffled. Apparently, a teacher's union is getting involved in the muck around the A stadium. What the heck? Scott, please explain. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you know, the, the legislature and the governor approved 300, up to $380 million in public funding for the A stadium. The Nevada State Education Association, which is a statewide teachers union, uh, has formed a nonprofit called Schools Over Stadiums, and they filed uh, a notice that they're going to do a referendum, you know, a petition to repeal that funding. And so, this is giving strong bros before hose vibes, but I, yes, <laughs> go ahead. So, so yeah, they have a year to gather the re the requisite number of signatures and put this before the voters on the 2024 ballot. Did they say why? I mean, they're a teachers union. Did they say why they have an interest or a vested interest in blocking the stadium? Well, I think the assumption is that that money could be better used for better purposes than a stadium, i.e. 
perhaps some education funding. And so would the referendum basically force the diverted funds to go to education or could it just kind of go back into the general coffers? No, I think at this point, it's just basically to stop the state from spending certain funds toward the stadium. Okay, so theoretically, the legislature could be like, thanks for the money. I'm going to go build a giant gumball machine now in the middle of Elko. Is that, I mean, theoretically. Well, no, uh, to answer the question, I'll jump in. But like uh, the referendum and the part of the bill that the uh, referendum is asking about is related to bonding. So it's related to what pays off the bond. So like the deal, not to get too far into weeds, but the deal uh, that the legislature passed was that the Clark, which that Clark County would issue bonds that would help pay for it. So what this bill, where this referendum is essentially doing, would be kind of stripping 120 million dollars of that funding, uh, like of the funding that's public revenue that would pay back the bond. Gotcha. Right. And so if that goes away, the, their theory, NSEA's theory, is that the rest of the whole funding will fall apart and like everything else will fall apart. So it's not like there's already a pool of money that is existing in the state that they've already done. It's like future revenue. So they're trying to like stop it before it starts with the idea being that like, hey, state, get your priorities straight. Why are you giving a billionaire in California $380 million when you could just give $380 million more million to education, which, hmm. um, you know, is their argument. Uh, yes. Um, a reasonable question. Uh, but- <laughs> a reasonable question. But, I mean, it's obviously it's strewn with, with pitfalls. And I hope they're not getting their hopes up hmm. <laughs> because the obstacles are many. From yeah. from the procedural, which you know, they've got to they've get 103,000 signatures, you know, evenly spread amongst the four congressional districts. And they have a year to do it, like less than a year. They ha- I think it's due July 8th of, of next year. And all those signatures have to be you know, validated. And then there'll be a, obviously a gauntlet of legal challenges by people opposed to this measure. So that's even before it hits the ballot. But it also has a wide range of opponents from the trade unions who look at the, mm-hmm. the stadium project as a, as a bonanza of jobs hmm. to the tourism people who obviously will oppose it for obvious reasons, to the other teachers union, the Clark County Education Association, which uh, is not backing this play. Hmm, gotcha. April mentioned like they're hoping to stop this before it starts. But as uh, Steve Hill, the, the head of the Convention and Visitors Authority, has noted, the contracts for all this will be in place by the time that this is voted on. Interesting. So it'll be hard to shove that genie back in the bottle. Right, right, right. Lest the lest the county kind of renege on some mighty expensive contracts, I imagine. And on top of that, I mean, the last poll I saw, which I guess was back in May, showed that like Nevada is sort of evenly split on wanting or not wanting the stadium. Hmm. So I don't know that there's this huge groundswell of of anti-stadium fervor that's going to carry this thing forward. And not to mention, of course, the giant inertia that sort of sits at the heart of our public life in many ways, which is just this sense that gaming's going to get what gaming wants. And <laughs> if they want a stadium, they're going to get a stadium, and regardless of what the rest of us think. This so, is the new Las Vegas think, slogan, right? Well, yeah. I mean, that's it's a company town, and I think a lot of people have resigned themselves to that being the reality here. Mm. April, what's your take? I mean, is this referendum going to actually work? Yeah, I mean, I think that... <laughs> It's a long shot for sure. Like, I don't know. Uh, you know, we, we mentioned the sort of 
procedural hurdles of having to collect that many signatures across the state. Most ballot initiatives that get on the ballot spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that. So like uh, CCA, the teachers union that represents CCSD teachers, they did two ballot initiatives and they spent, I think, $750,000. The community schools initiative, which was the group that was trying to do the breakup CCSD uh, thing, they spent $2 million and they still didn't qualify for the ballot and they had to sue their firm that they hired. So like, that was the case where they claimed that the the firm they hired where it was like turning in ballots that smelled like bong water, right? This yes, the, the bong yeah, water yeah, ballots yeah. Uh-huh. thing or whatever. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know how that played out, but you know, the, the end result was that they didn't even qualify for the ballot after spending like $2 million. So mm-hmm. this is a very expensive process. Like it is easy to get on the ballot in Nevada compared to a lot of states, but it is expensive. So it's still not um, easy. And and NSEA's, uh, you know, the schools over stadiums is, is raising money. It's trying to raise money, but I spoke to um, their spokesperson, uh, yesterday, and they've raised fifty thousand dollars so far. Oh, okay, it's a very small amount when you look at the amount of stuff. So it's a very mm-hmm. heavy lift. Uh, I don't know if there's, uh, you know, enough fervor and excitement, like, like like Scott said, to do a volunteer effort to get that many. It's also mm-hmm. it, that would be tricky. Uh, so I think they need to raise money, but they're hoping that with the announcement that this is their intent, with this is their plan, that somebody will step in. So all it takes is one like other billionaire or multimillionaire (laughs) to like give some money to schools over stadiums. Like maybe it's like some Californian who hates John Fisher and whatever. Uh, Or I think- A battle of the billionaires. It could be a battle of the billionaires or whatever. So I mean, you never know. I I think it's, you know, it's an interesting prospect and you have to give them credit for trying to make a statement about what it is. But we'll see. Like I said, the the people who want it happen to be very powerful figures in here. But but it'll be exciting. And, you know, whatever happens, it would be, you know, it'll be interesting. Like say, they, they pull it off by some miracle and they end up on the ballot and voters reject it or like voters reject it. And that tells us something right about public sentiment about it, perhaps, or yeah. say they embrace it. There's also like maybe the development deal doesn't get signed. Maybe the private financing part on John Fisher's side doesn't come through because we still don't know where that necessarily is last I checked. Or maybe there's some other holdup that delays it. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors. I'm not trying to sell it, I suppose. But uh, but I do think that it it's it's not out of the realm of possibilities, but it is a long shot for sure. Sure, sure. We need to start like a pool about the most unlikely things to happen in Vegas next year. I think one of them is this <laughs> referendum stopping the A stadium. I think two is maybe, what do you think? Um, a third Mayor Goodman. Oh, yes. I think three is Lake Mead actually rising again for the second year in a row. I don't know. We just, <laughs> we'll start a pool. All right. One more question for you all about this topic, because I was, you know, reading this Nevada Independent article about about the uh, the referendum and kind of buried towards the end felt like a little juicy negative drama about our two teachers unions at loggerheads. I know we have two in, in the valley. We've got CCEA and NSEA. Once they were one, but now they are cleft. Uh, So I'm curious, because CCA, as we all know, has been attempting to address overcrowded classrooms with this standoff with the Clark County School District, threats of a quote-unquote work action, sometimes uh, called a strike by some. To your mind, how does the NSEA lawsuit that we're seeing now compare with the CCEA attempt to address overcrowded classrooms? I'm not sure they are comparable in the sense that 
I guess theoretically, the the money saved by not bankrolling the stadium could go to help lower classroom numbers and you know students per classroom and all that. Uh, but I'm not sure that it directly addresses the same things that the CCEA is is going for with their work actions. And this is this is a week in which I think two or three days now, you know, schools have been hit by staff absences. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was one Wednesday. I think there was one on Monday. And probably not the last that we'll see this week or, or you know, in the near future. Yeah. Well, I think that if you want to think about how they're working, um, like CCA is, is trying to do something sort of immediate and tangible, right? So they are arguing for actual money that's already, you know, with the state budget, in the state education budget, and how to use it, right? So they are, and they're the union that represents the, you know, 17,000, 18,000 educators and licensed personnel within Clark County School District, right? NSEA is a union. They represent the support staff or their affiliate represents the support staff at CCSD. And then they represent like teachers in Washoe County and stuff. So they're more of a statewide organization than they are directly here in Clark County, other than the support staff union or whatever. So they kind of have different focuses in terms of what it is. You could sort of look at it as a broader thing where, you know, CCA is arguing for, for like I said, direct action that is available to them and sort of immediately impacts them where, uh, where NSCA and their schools over stadium is really looking at a much broader sort of principle issue, mm. right? Mm-hmm. They're, they're trying to start a conversation, if nothing else, about yeah. the state's approach to education and the state's lack of prioritizing education, right? So right. they keep saying like, hey, we are 48th or wherever we are. It's always at the bottom, right? Um, of so many lists, like, can we not change that? How do we do that? We need a, a shift in what our priorities are. So I think it's much more pie in the sky. It's much broader, but it, it is, almost feels like know. kind of like a stunt or a campaign to kind of bring awareness to an issue or get publicity. Absolutely. I you think know? they're you know not going to say that because I think, sure. they, I think they do genuinely <laughs> believe perhaps that I'll, I'll give them the, the benefit of the doubt to say that, that I do think that they genuinely think that they have a shot at this and that they uh-huh. are very passionate about this. Uh, but if nothing else, it is a it is a public campaign and a, a good way to talk about the issue. Sure, sure. Although to a community that, you know, in a state that has sort of been somewhat resistant to that conversation for a long time. All right, on to our third topic, my favorite topic of the day. I just saw a story that says Vegas is ranked as the third best taco town in the country. Third? Uh, I know. Well, we're behind... Austin, Texas, and San Jose, California. Both. Oh, that seems legit, perhaps. I know. I was say, those are actually like pretty good taco towns. So I'm not actually that mad about it. But to give you uh, some stats in this highly scientific ranking, they counted up how many taco places per 100,000 people. And we have 7.2, which works out to 205 restaurants across the valley. This is an article from the Las Vegas Review Journal by Jonathan Wright. And, you know, he says tacos are serious business. I agree. So what do y'all think? Is third place for Vegas fair? Is it too low, too high? And let's be real. Are these so-called rankings even real? (laughs) If they're good rankings, then yes, they're good. No. (laughs) This was a study conducted by a real estate website that crunched a lot of numbers, but crunched absolutely zero tacos uh, <laughs> as a pro- in the process of reaching their findings. So I don't know if we're the number three city. I don't know if we deserve that. But I do think CityCast should bankroll 
a long, extensive bit of research on this on this topic. Oh, I see where you're going with this, Scott. Very good thinking. What do you think, April? That's true. I would I would sign up for that assignment if you need if you guys need help. I'm happy need a to contributor. contribute to that. Yes. Um, but you know, I'm a big fan of supporting any real estate websites, findings, if they conform to my own ideals of uh, <laughs> thing. And I think we're a great town for tacos. So I think that that is the most legitimate scientific findings I've ever heard. So congratulations us. We were number three. Yeah. I, I need the win. After this talking is, about dead animals and yeah, um, decrepit right. school, you know what? Yeah. We're, number, we're good at something. And if it's gonna, if it's only tacos, at least we've got that, you know? Yeah. We're finally at the top of a good list. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right? Yeah, I'll take that. I'll take that. Yeah, you know what? Data journalism experts out there, I'm sure, are kind of weeping into their mugs, you know, but um, <laughs> we'll take it. If it brings us joy, we'll take it. I have to ask you guys the most important question of all. What are your favorite taco spots in Las Vegas? Can you, are you going to well, give up the goods? <laughs> I will say that anything that, that Bahamar makes, oh, uh, I yes. will. If anything they put in a taco shell, I'll eat. So That's that spot downtown. We, ha- we had a yeah, I love it. dinner there, actually. Yeah. yeah, that was my introduction to it, and I'm a convert. Nice. Uh, I love all, I mean, I love all 254 taco shops across the valley, you know? <laughs> I... <laughs> Noted taco expert, April corbin No, it's okay. No, uh, you know, I'm kind of like an equal opportunity. I'll tell you that, like, even a bad taco is, like, a good taco to right. me. So, like... Like pizza. Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, and so I don't normally, I mean, there's like some, like I'll, I've checked out the like spots that are super popular or whatever, at least used to be years ago when I was cooler. Uh, you know what I mean? So, I mean, like I You're hit still up. cool in my book, April. Oh, thank you. But uh-huh. you know what I mean? Like there was a, there was a stretch in my life where I went to like Taco Eat Taco like every week or whatever. Uh-huh. Like that was my go-to <laughs> spot over on Eastern or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and then like the giant Tacos El Gordo or whatever that they built or whatever is like if you're on the strip and it's on my way home. So I'm like, I'm going to stop by there and hang out with all the tourists buying the stuff or whatever. Like, I'll do that. But also, I love the like tiny little taco shops. Like the one that's closest to my house is like Algoberto's or something. Like it's just Mm. like a random taco place that Mm -hmm. isn't on any of those lists, but it's like still a solid ass taco. Like it's just good. And, you know, I don't need fancy and I don't need esteemed. You know what I mean? It's like almost all of them are good. Like it's good. Just go to the one closest to you and it's probably going to be better than most things that you're going to eat today. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Proximity know? to a taco truck is yeah. definitely. Yeah. And I think that's what that ranking is getting at. Right. Exactly. Is that like if you can pop out at night and you're tired and you're hungry and you need something delicious to eat, you can find mm-hmm. a taco stand anywhere in Vegas. I have a couple wrecks if you'll let me get away with two. Uh, so if you're wanting something like a little more sit down bougie, I mean, I, I shouldn't even call it bougie, but just delicious. And they make like their own tortillas in house with Nixon Elias corn. Milpa over on, uh, it's like Fort Apache and near Spring Mountain. It's near Mint Indian Bistro, um, mm-hmm. makes amazing tacos and their tortillas are just delicious. They're like super flavorful and they have all these beautiful colors and stuff. The second one, I actually have to give a shout out to my friend, Tony, who introduced me to this place. You know where um, Tacos El Gordo is on Charleston? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's a great taco shop, but if you go across the street on 17th and Charleston, there's a taco truck called Tacos Al Pastorcito. And it's just a little truck stop you know it's a little you there's not really a spot to eat or anything people just eat off the back of their cars and you know park around there um but they have amazing tacos i think their meat's a little less fatty than tacos old gordo's is and 
I always get the um, al pastor con piña, which means with pineapple. I love Ooh. it with pineapple. It's so good. So just that's my shout out. I think it's okay that you had two since April had 250. <laughs> yes, thank so you. I think, I think it's all right. <laughs> thank and you. I have a question, though. Is pineapple in tacos as controversial as pineapple on pizza? Or is that's it still down? Question. I love pineapple, no. so no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, kidding. are we all pro pineapple here? Because I totally am. I love pineapple. Yeah, put it on everything. So pizza mm-hmm. and tacos. Here, here. All right. Well, this was a wonderful conversation. I have so many things to eat going into the weekend. I just can't stop thinking about tacos now. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, as always, so much fun. Thanks so much, you guys. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Thank you. That's all for today here on CityCast Las Vegas. Our producers this week were Layla Muhammad, A.K. Al Moomin, and me, Sonia Cho Swanson. Big shout out to Natalie Rivera for her help this week. Our newsletter editor is Scott Dickensheets, and our host is David Figler. Music is by OG Moose, Epidemic Sound, and All the Kimonos. We record this show on the traditional homelands of the Nuwuvi, the Southern Paiute people. If you enjoyed this show, here's what you can do. Heartfelt appeal. Go tell a friend. Tell two friends. Tell three friends. Tell all your friends. Then rate the show, leave us a review, and subscribe to our brilliant morning newsletter. That's Scott's. We'll be back Monday morning with more news from around the city. Take care. Like it is for it is. I mean, we joke around about their battle, and it's really sort of amusing to some of us observers. But it does seem counterproductive sometimes to the larger one. It would be nice if they could get along for sure. Yes. But yeah. Oh well. Why can't we be, be friends? friends? Okay. <laughs> <laughs>